0: We're the Warmers, Your bi-weekly look at the world of Jews and sports. I'm here with my co-host Gabe. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Uh, we got Wilner this week. Yeah, big get for us. Um, for the second second episode in a row, I think we have a, a graduate of uh, the Community Hebrew Association of Toronto. I, I hey, think Hebrew, that's what I Chat think, stands
1: for. I think it's the Academy of Toronto.
0: Well, community Chat Community, the... we have
1: our second straight Tannenbaum
0: Chat grad. If you're listening, Larry, we respect the branding. Yeah, that's right. Big big Larry Tannenbaum energy uh, permeating through through our podcast at all times. Um, but we have Mike Wilner, the uh, former play-by-play radio man for the Toronto Blue Jays, currently columnist for the Toronto Star, as well as host of his own podcast, uh, Deep Left Field, uh, about baseball, Toronto Blue Jays. He's talked a lot about Israel baseball recently. He was recently the um, play-by-play man for the Israel baseball tune-up games uh, that some of you may have watched online.
2: On
1: Twitch? online they on were on Twi- twitch online
0: yeah, they were Mike- on twitch and and one was hosted by the yeshiva university maccabees uh, youtube channel i think yes. that was a good one uh, we'd like
1: to also thank uh, israel baseball and their media apparatus for their support of this show during those broadcasts Absolutely. uh you know with our promo read by mr wilner himself um yes. You know, one one thing I regret not asking Wilner, and we'll get to the interview in a little bit. But I think we got a little jazz to perform first. But one one thing I'd li- I regret not asking Wilner, he made a joke about Jewish people being overrepresented in the media. Sure, so we, we talked about that. I he might be the only Jewish regular Toronto Star columnist.
0: Uh, interesting point. None of them come to mind. I'm. Uh, we're we're a Globe family, not a Star family, to be honest. Yep. Yeah. As you as you yourself are a former Globe Ah, employee, forgot about Emma Title. Emma Title. Okay, so at least one other. I don't think there's any other Jewish uh, sports writers at the Star that are coming to mind.
1: I don't think so either. Um, Unless there's something about Laura Armstrong we don't know,
0: but yeah,
1: I got I got Uh, my opinions.
0: Well, it was great to have Wilmer on, uh, really took a deep dive into his career, his uh, you know, Jewish upbringing and connection with Israel baseball. Uh, I think a lot of people will find interesting. Um, before we get to that, uh, some, some Jewish sports news to go over and, and another uh, local uh, Canadian story to talk about. Um, Camilla Giorgi, the Italian tennis player, won the National Bank Open in Montreal, uh, sort of the biggest win of her career.
1: And and maybe the biggest sporting event in Montreal, you know, non-hockey related, I think that happens.
0: I guess they still do a, a uh indie race there.
1: Uh it's a F one race and they haven't had it for three years now because of COVID. Okay. Okay. Or two COVID. years now. Yeah, it'll be three years between.
0: I never saw the race, but it was always uh towards the end of the summer. Like I remember when we would go back to school uh when we went to McGill, we they would be like at the end of at, at, at the end of August, right?
1: Yes. There and there's stuff and going on around it. It's always incredibly exciting, incredibly big. But right now, this year, I think, I think this. Uh Montreal event won by a Jewish tennis player is probably the first, the biggest one we've had. And it, it's been a long time since a Jewish tennis star has won a, a major tournament, especially a power five like the, like this one.
0: Right. Well, that is sort a of- High a,
1: five. It's a high five tournament.
0: Well, that is sort of an, an interesting and open question that I think is, is worth talking about. So um, Camilla George, as we said, is Italian. Her parents are uh, Argentinian, uh, who, who I guess emigrated to or, or back to Italy at some point. And I think there were some- uh, confusion at some point about whether or not she was Jewish. And I can tell you that until last week, her Wikipedia page, <laughs> for example, um, read something akin to, you know, she has been reported as being Jewish, but these claims are unverified, um, which is a very like odd thing for Wikipedia to say, right? Like it's Wikipedia- almost, it's,
1: yeah, it's almost as if she sort of said, you know, back it off a little bit.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and that's just sort of interesting, because, you know, I think it's, it, you know, the whole world uses Wikipedia as their as their first source for everything. Um, you and I certainly turn to it plenty to try to f- suss out if someone's Jewish or not, because absolutely. usually if someone is Jewish, then someone has written an article about them that says, uh, yes, yeah, so and so is Jewish. Um, so when you check it, and it says, Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Um, I think that makes it pretty, pretty interesting because it's, you know, there was the story that uh, there was the story that she had considered moving to Israel to play for the Israeli team, which, you know, can mean that she has some uh, right to Israeli citizenship under right of return without actually uh, any identification as Jewish or it could mean any number of things, but the, the, you know according to some reports was was very wishy washy, but I should say that I feel like we you and I and in in the guise of our you know Twitter account and online presence uh, had some effect on sort of establishing whether or not she was.
1: Yeah, we we this might be the first get gets action we've ever
0: done. <laughs> I right, think mentors got some action. I think mentor. I think that's exactly the right way to put it. Um, so Marvin Glassman, uh, who was formerly a guest on our podcast and our in our back in our old CJN days, who's our first. Uh, live interview. Do you remember we interviewed him up at the CJN office?
1: I I remember you complaining how much the office smelled like whitefish.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, that's that's not a joke. Jamie did complain. That's just the hazard of working for the Jewish media. Um, And when I say Jewish media, I don't mean like, you know, triple parenthesis, Jewish media. I just mean, literally, (laughs) don't you 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 mean the media? (laughs) <laughs> anyways we, we interviewed marvin he was a great guest i i you know encourage anyone who's interested in tennis to go back and check out our our podcast with marvin about the sort of jewish history of tennis but uh marvin you know got the answer uh yeah. writing for jewish telegraphic agency uh he sort of did the actual reporting saying whether or not Um, Ms. Georgie is Jewish, and she confirmed yes, she is. Both her parents are. Uh, Her favorite book growing up was The Diary of Van Frank, and since then, the Wikipedia page has been changed to, she's Jewish, so. Ah,
1: there you go. We affected uh, uh, We affected wikipedia without I, you know in a way that isn't vandalism
0: and, and i say that i feel like we we were sort of somewhat responsible for this is only because we were sort of doing the digging on twitter and talking to people about it and then someone tweeted at us who works for a jewish telegraphic agency and said yeah you know we got the article on it here's the answer um that was gabe friedman uh who writes for jta and yep. other places as well so you know we sort of got the answer we called her Jewish, and now Wikipedia says she's Jewish. Uh, I don't know if we're cited as the source, but uh, we we certainly helped it along its way. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because there remains unconfirmed reports about another tennis player, uh, Alina Svitolina from yes. Ukraine, and about uh, whether or not she's Jewish. And
1: and you, she's also said... a previous winner of the Rogers Cup or the National exactly. Bank Open, as it is known now.
0: Exactly. Um. You know, she's she's had much more success, honestly, than uh, than other uh another female jewish player she's you know she's i think she's ranked in the top five now she's certainly been in the top five in in her career uh, she's been
1: up to number three before
0: been up all the way up to number three okay so you know she's made to semifinals of of majors she's won a number of tournaments and she won the national bank open or whatever it was called the Canadian and, open r.i.p the Dumouriez cup a
1: bronze medal at this olympics we lost her on the previous we forgot about her her in the olympics but i didn't i mean her being jewish is is would be surprising
0: Right. So Marvin in his article said that uh, that uh, Camilla Georgie was the first Jewish winner of the Canadian Open in 56 years. And our response to him on Twitter was, no, it's Alina Svitolina who, who won in 2017. And I would say we still don't know. Like, there's no good source on this. Um, so I guess I'm hoping that we get some reporting on this. I mean, look, it is weird to go up to someone and say like, hey, FYI, just just quick question. Nothing anti-Semitic about this question whatsoever. I'm not, know if you're but... Yeah. I'm not anti-Semitic, but I want to know, are you a Jew? And uh, tell me about that. So, it's a, it's a tricky thing to parse sometimes. I mean, sometimes there's reporting and people in the know know. But, yeah. uh, you know, Marvin Glassman, again, who who is, you know, a fixture in, in the tennis world and done reporting on, the, on tennis for, for many decades now, sort of didn't have a, a better answer to that. So, who knows? Who knows is the answer. And, and I think the fun story is Jews were everywhere, you know. I've, all I've, over the
1: place. And well, think about it. You know, her husband, uh, uh, Gail Monfi, Mm Uh, you know, I'm, I'm as a Gabriel, I am predisposed to like anybody with a similar name, um, and Gail is sort of a romantic language pronunciation of Gabriel. It is the same name. Uh, so I'm, I'm a big fan of them. And if the two of them have a Jewish child, um, you know, a multiracial Jewish child, he is from Guadalupe and, uh, she is from Ukraine. So that would be really a lot of, uh, 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 that'd be Judaism reaching even further.
0: I I look forward to their future children someday playing the, uh, the, uh, Agassi, uh graph children oh yeah although i thought the graph
1: children you know they bonded over their mutual hatred for tennis
0: that's true i don't think i don't think they're they're teaching their kids to play by like hitting making them hit a thousand balls a day no uh, or any of the terrible things they grew up with
1: no of course not oh boy being a a german athlete in the 1980s really seemed like it's a it's another level you know the germans are really they're known for their lackadaisical and uh athlete first (laughs) approach
0: absolutely um I guess that should should take us to our, our next topic, which is is just a, a brief note uh, of interest that was brought to our attention again about surprise Jews, um, which is that uh, you know I, I do you watch Ted Lasso? Do you watch the the Apple TV show? Ted Lasso? I, I
1: actually watched the most recent Ted Lasso moments ago.
0: Oh, okay. Um, I have watched the most recent one this season's gotten a little downhill I think I think that's been the consensus you know we'll save
1: that for the Ted lasso podcast
0: sure you know a what little... we'll save that
1: for our interview with Mr Goldstein
0: right so so Brett Goldstein who plays uh, Roy Kent and is a writer on the show is is you know publicly known as being Jewish uh, he's, we'd love he's to... publicly Jewish publicly he's he's Jewish what, he's what the sentence
1: would know is obviously Jewish
0: well with a name like Goldstein it's not hard to it's not hard to find him but we were recently advised that Mo uh, Mo who plays the uh, Thierry French, Zorro. Yeah, the French-Canadian goal, goal, goalkeeper, Thierry Zorro is also Jewish. He was on a podcast about Ted Lasso. They were asking him after the Christmas episode about his own Christmas traditions growing up. And he said, well, I don't really have an answer for that because I am Jew- I grew up Jewish. Which is sort of shocking because there aren't that many French, French-Canadian Jews. There aren't that many, like, francophone um, Jews altogether. Yeah,
1: especially French-Canadian Jews of color. It's very exciting.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think in the interview, he went on to talk about his, his mom being French-speaking. And I, I believe he's, he's of Haitian extraction. So Mm -hmm. I have no idea what his background is, but he identifies he was talking about not having gone to synagogue in a while. Um, so two Jewish actors on Ted lasso playing playing athletes not real athletes but but playing them playing them on TV uh
1: it's yeah, well, great uh, Mr Judy Lamour or Thursday love as he calls himself um yeah, you know like it's, it's Thursday love is good as it is a day where one reads the Torah um but not a day that where you have to sort of take the Sabbath all that seriously so Thursday is a good good weekday for the Jews so maybe Thursday love just came from many years of Seinfeld airing on such a day
0: <laughs> well I think it's, it's just good, you know, more identification at some point, there will be a Wikipedia article for him where it says he's Jewish. And I hope we we play some small part in that, uh, that identification game.
1: Do we have the opposite of a Mike Jacobs all-star like you're, you know, an AJ Dillon all-star or a, a, uh,
0: you know, Mo Jody L'Amour. Right, uh, you you don't expect someone with the last name Juddila Moore to be to be Jewish, but you never know. Yeah, it's, I mean, they, there's they, they come in all we come in all names. Maybe AJ Dylan named himself after famous
1: Jewish musician Bob Dylan, and there's his Jewish connection.
0: Maybe I mean I, I look I, I think the tennis players you're talking about Camilla Georgi and uh, Elena Spidolina don't necessarily come across as as being particularly Jewish names but uh, again no it comes although in all the, types. Uh, you
1: get tripped up from the Eastern European ones although you know now we're retreading on an old familiar topic uh, one that we talk about in our uh, interview coming up uh, with uh, Mr Mike Wilner uh, Mike is obviously we talked about earlier sort of a legend in the Toronto broadcast scene and we're thrilled to talk to him
0: but first I got a question for you Jamie
1: let me hear it. What do you look for in a podcast host?
0: Ooh, what do I look for in a in a podcast host? Well, if you're talking about my own my own podcast, I mean I look for my friend who also knows about sports. And has a keen interest in who's Jewish and who's not. But we got uh, this
1: rapport going on. That's we got right. this You've rapport. Got a
0: rapport. Are you leaving, Gabe? Do I have to find a replacement? No, I'm going no, to no, a one man no. booth. I'm going to a one man <laughs> booth. I'm doing it. <laughs> you're going to vince Scully this podcast I'm absolutely. I, I would absolutely vince Scully it. That you know, what an honor. I'm sorry you're leaving, but uh, I
1: got. How long do you think you could just speak unbroken?
0: Um, I don't if think you're I have like, like a Rush Limbaugh type. Show. Yeah, I don't have like Stephen A. Smith style chops. Like, I yeah. need the back and forth. I need I need the I need the balance. I need the question and answer and all that. The banter. You need the top bants. It'd be fun to find out though. Just like just like hit record and just like go. Just like here's my thoughts on a topic. I'm not stopping until I run out of words. We we maybe next time one of us has
1: another child or we go away or we're sick or whatever. Our producer Michael will let us try the one man booth. Just <laughs> Stephen, just Stephen A style. And I am telling you that if Ryan Braun did not get caught. He would be the greatest Jewish athlete of all time.
0: Good, good, riffing. We're we're getting the signal from from our producer Michael to get on with the thing that we were supposed to talk about. So, like, okay, why do you ask? <laughs> why do you ask? Why? What would I look for in a in a podcast host? Well,
1: our mishpucha uh, bonjour, hi, a, right? a, a very not equally cleverly named podcast about uh, Jewish life in Canada is actually looking for a third host to be part of their uh, hydra of hot takes uh, on the Jewish world. Oh, that's uh, great.
0: So their recent, uh, their third co-host Melissa Lantzman is, uh, I guess, resigned from the show because she's running for parliament uh, currently, and wow, hopefully will win. I guess if you're, uh, uh, I, uh, I guess the CJ CJN's rooting interest is is pro is pro Lanceman.
1: Maybe. I don't know. We're getting, maybe, uh, does our show wade into politically? Because I could Stephen A. Smith that race too. Where's she running? York Center? Seems like a York Center type
0: candidate. Uh, Thornhill. Thornhill. Thornhill.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, Well, moving on from, from Melissa Lanceman, they need someone to replace her with perhaps fewer immediate political aspirations. So is that you? Not you, Jamie, you, O, listener.
0: You, O, listener. Uh, If you are, you know, political, uh, opinionated, uh, interested in the world, current events, uh, and you think that you would make a good uh, third wheel of a third leg of a stool on Bonjour High, you gotta um, have
1: the Koyach
0: to stand up to Avi and Ilana. That's right. So if you think you'd make a good podcast host, email our producer, M, uh, Michael Freeman. You can find him at mfrayman at the cjn.ca. Uh, send, send along an application, cover letter, or whatever you got, along with a audio sample of uh, you talking, doing a, doing a Stephen A. Smith style rant on whatever local Canadian maybe, Jewish goings on. Maybe are there. we
1: can ask them to do their best impression of us. Let's see if you could do a menschwarmers bit just to show your range for Bonjour High.
0: That's right. Um, So let's uh, move along to our interview with uh, Mike Wilner. But before we do, I just want to give a shout out to uh, former guest, Nate Fish, uh, a.k.a. the King of Jewish Baseball, uh, who is a a bench coach. I I think a bench coach or third base coach. I'm not sure. With uh, Team Israel at the Olympics. Both. Both. Yeah. And he's uh,
1: coached at every position. He's coached all around the diamond. He's the he's the Sean Figgins of uh of Israel Israeli baseball coaching every
0: position. Well, he's now moved up to the to the big chair. So he's been named the national team manager um of the Israel baseball team um for the senior squad you know there's going to be a turn a european tournament coming up soon um there's and likely just, to be another world baseball classic and and as mike said it is
1: long overdue long deserved
0: yeah and so you know Muzzle Tov to date i really hope you know i think we both wish him the best and a long career in coaching for israel and and elsewhere as well i mean you know i think that he is he's is the kind of guy who can who can be a coach? Uh, could be a coach in, in the you know in the minors, majors, wherever, uh, and get up there. So we wish him lots of luck. So Nate, Nate, as we spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, lives in the Catskills.
1: Yeah. So I'm wondering if now that he's you know the 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 Melech of Israeli baseball, he can start telling like Catskills style baseball
0: jokes. <laughs> I think jokes. it comes with the territory. Like, Take a strike, please. Maybe we can assemble a team of, of Jewish Canadians to uh, to go down for a barnstorming game against the, the Catskill Jews <laughs> at some point. It's not yeah. too far. Once the borders open up, just grab the old uh, Rochester Ferry. and Yeah, uh, and get get us. Adam Stern and
1: everyone else in a in a nice big old, uh, uh, you know, minivan, a Dodge Caravan, or like maybe, you know, you know what? No, we get on the Hasid bus with oh, yeah, everyone you need. and then ask them to drop us off in Kiryas Yol and then right. hitch a ride up to the Catskills. <laughs>
0: All right, before we delve too much into uh, literal Jewish geography, uh, let's move on to our interview with Mike Wilner.
2: We're joined tonight by Mike Wilner. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me, boys. You're the first first podcast I've ever been on that I've already read an ad for before going on it i was That's about great. to
1: say you've read our promo now you i mean if you could promo your own future episode at the time you know we didn't <laughs> have you booked but that would have been a great promo
2: that would have been very meta yes
1: exactly
0: uh mike do you mind uh, introducing yourselves to our listeners a little bit just tell them a little bit, bit about who you are
2: sure um my name's mike wilner i'm from toronto born and raised uh went to Bialik, then went to chat. So very much a product of the Jewish day school system uh, here in this uh, fine city of ours. Um, And uh, then somehow, you know, worked my way into a very non-traditional, at the time anyway, media position. I I, um, I started broadcasting minor league baseball when I was 19 years old uh, in Welland, Ontario for the Pirates affiliate there. Um, wound up doing a couple more seasons of minor league ball, then worked for 680 News here in Toronto, which is, I believe, Canada's most listened to all news radio station in, the, if not radio station period, um, in the mid 90s. And uh, in 2001, wound up at uh, the all sports radio station. And the next year was part of the Blue Jays broadcast team, and continued to do that for uh, 19 seasons. Um, very proudly, the only toronto-born uh person ever to broadcast blue jays baseball on on the radio full time um and then uh, unceremoniously got fired from that job last winter because they decided to go in another direction uh and uh and wound up with a toronto star so uh, right now i am a columnist uh and podcaster for the toronto star uh having a great time
0: so I, should, I should say you're our, our second chat grad in a row uh, after Zach Hyman last week. And also, I am also a Bialik grad. So uh, oh, I think you're the first go. fellow Bialik grad. Uh, I was going to say, you know, the team name, but uh, I don't think we had one. So
2: <laughs> we, we were, uh, we had the bombers, maybe. I think, when I was, but I graduated a long time. And I-, I so uh, You went to Bialik in the pre-Miracle Food Mart days. No, no, no. Uh, when I, well, when I started at Bialik, there was a Steinberg's in the parking lot, which okay. became a Miracle Food Mart, but it was still a Miracle Food Mart when I was there. And I do definitely remember uh, sneaking because we weren't allowed to go there. Right. Um, you know, but uh, I remember, yeah, uh, in, at least in grade nine, uh, when it had a grade nine, I was, I think, the third last grade nine class in um, but we had, uh, I remember sneaking over to, to Miracle for um, various and sundry whatever uh, during <laughs> right. the day. They did have a Space Invaders. So that made it Ooh. very, oh, that's very attractive. Cool.
1: And the occasional yeah. non-kosher snack, I would imagine too.
2: Sure, Bialik didn't care about that. Oh, yeah, I, they're I, pretty I, I,
1: I didn't go to Bialik.
0: But I and uh, Michael, our producer, were both there during the years when they were tearing down the Miracle Mart to build the, uh, the new gym and the new atrium. So
2: Very nice, very nice. Gym. No, I was there in the old days. And when my kids went there, I uh, barely, honestly barely recognize the place uh, right. the, the same way with chat. Now I went for a reunion a couple of years ago and it has changed so very much, which just means nothing more than I'm really old, I guess. Right. So, so let's talk a little bit about
1: your upbringing. You're obviously here on our show because you are Jewish and you are a notable voice. I know you look shocked at that one um, in our Toronto media. and, and, You know, I guess we can say we're about two weeks out now. So you're our first Shana Tova of the year. So it's close
2: enough. Sure. Thank you. We're in the moon
1: cycle. We're less than a moon cycle away.
2: And same to you and yours. (laughs) Um, So that you should only have a happy and healthy and prosperous new year
1: yes um so you know i'll let that lead into sort of you talked about your jewish background and bialik so as a jewish person did you have you know was there any sort of excitement of following jewish athletes when you were a kid and if so who did you care about
2: Uh, like there weren't that many when i was (laughs) a kid i mean uh i'm too young for sandy koufax right um he was retired before i was even born um
0: There was a bit of a gap in the, in the, I I think Mike, you were, I I think you were born, I'm going to guess early seventies. I think there was a gap in the, in the seventies and eighties in terms of like there being big name Jewish athletes um, in the the, the pro sports leagues.
1: I mean, there's Mark Spitz, but he's separate, but would you count the Sandy Koufax to Sean Green years? of being wandering in the desert necessarily looking for your, our next Koufax.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to think right now of somebody in the early 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s. Because, yeah, I'm too young for Mark Spitz, too. Right. Um, I, and, you know, there was Ken Holtzman with the, the Oakland A's when they were winning World Series. But also that's that's before I was cognizant of, of any of that stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't really remember. And I probably will when we're done and, and kick myself, but I don't really remember a big time Jewish athlete in one of the big three pro sports that I thought, Hey, that guy, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, right. you, you say big three, which are you dropping out there? Well, when I was growing up, the NBA was not a thing. Um, Interesting. You know, when, when I was, when I was 10, 11 years old, The NBA finals were still being shown on tape delay at 1130 at night on CBS because so few people cared about it. And I think I was 11 or 12 when Bird and Magic came in. So um, so that that turned things around. But the big three in the States obviously doesn't include hockey. And the big three here when I was growing up did not include basketball. I was 25 i think when we got the Raptors.
0: right in, in terms of transports i feel like the jays first notable uh, jewish athlete was was sean green unless there's someone who is earlier than that who, who comes to mind i think you know when he broke in in the mid-90s uh, that was that was the re- really the first big jewish athlete we had uh for the jays at least
2: yeah there isn't there isn't one who comes to mind before that again with the caveat that i may wind up kicking myself <laughs> when this is done um but yeah sean green was it was a very big deal and he embraced his Jewishness, which is something that he never really had done before that. I'm mm-hmm. not. I think he was bar mitzvahed, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, you know what? I I don't think he was. But the Jewish community in Toronto was so thrilled to have him and so ready to embrace him um, that you know he was getting. Seder invitations and, and and you know come to shul for the high holidays and all that stuff and he really that that was his um, big push to to get into it and he uh, I think found out a lot about himself that. And, and his heritage that he really enjoyed getting into. And he's gone on to like be a coach for team Israel and the world baseball classic and stuff. And um, yeah, he was, he was the, the first big deal, I think here.
1: Uh, Ike Davis actually said something really similar that he didn't really follow his Judaism until he got to New York. And then obviously in New York, when he played for the Mets, it was a really big deal. Yep. And, you know, huge groups of, sat Mars started showing up to games and carrying signs. And then he decided to get into it. And he also went to represent Israel.
2: Yeah. And, and it's a familiar story. Look, and, and it, it doesn't happen with everybody. Um, certainly Rowdy Telez did not have much interest in it. And I, I talked sure. to him, uh, Dan Shulman and I converged upon it. Uh, <laughs> oh, We've also gone for Rowdy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Shulman, another Bialik Nick, uh, right. from the, from the good old days. Uh, but it wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't, um, disrespectful or anything or mean about it he just said you know we we like candles for Hanukkah but that was the only thing that um was Jewish about his upbringing and, and he felt like um he didn't want to he didn't want to uh portray himself as something different than he really was uh Kevin Pilar embraced it um sure I, I I did an event with him to raise money for Tel Aviv University which hmm. is pretty cool that's great yeah um but yeah Sean Green was absolutely the the first, for sure.
0: Yeah, we, and like, I, you know, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, there's plenty of people who, you know, their religion is not a big deal to them at all. And I think we, we sometimes expect too much of our Jewish athletes or, or people who have some Jewish heritage that they have to be representative when, you know, they may they just want to focus on some other element of their game or being an athlete or any of the other things that that are, you know, integral yeah, to their personality. But I
2: think it's because there are so few of us, right? We, we right. try to, especially in, you know, in athletics, I still remember the, the, Um, the great movie that I don't think stands up very well, Airplane Mm -hmm. Um, in the eighties with the Zucker brothers and stuff. And they, here's a, you know, your pamphlet of great Jewish athletes.
0: Exactly. Um,
2: But so I think that's why we latch on. We want to, we want it to be a big deal to them because it's a big deal to us. It's not always going to be a big deal to them.
1: This is, I mean, it's an interesting story because it's been in the news this week and I'm curious to know uh, your take, if you follow tennis at all, but Camilla Georgie just won the Rogers cup. Um, And she has been proudly Jewish her entire life, but nobody asked um, she's Italian. And now that she's sort of reaching success, she's getting a lot of requests on this. So I think this is sort of the opposite side of it, or someone who's embraced it. If they're not in a big enough sport or a big enough deal, you know, we might not find
2: them as easily. Yeah. I think that's, that's completely reasonable. And and I didn't know that. Uh, um, so, you know, a, a hearty muzzle to her, absolutely. But, but look, you, you just, it's, it's a weird question to ask, right? Um, And I was talking about this with a bunch of the guys on the Israeli Olympic team last month um, about, you know, how, you know, and who, you know, because there, you know, there, there are not obvious ones, but relatively obvious ones where there's your name and okay, like Mitch Glasser. Yeah. You know, probably he's Jewish. Um, But, but uh, there are others where you have to really do some digging and find out and um you know it's, i remember it's easy, to,
0: it's easy to find the diamonds it's hard to find the, the ty kelly's in the rough <laughs>
2: right yeah yeah the ty kelly's the the rob powler um you know the there so many nick rickles i guess is that yeah right? um but I remember when Jason Kirshner came to the Blue Jays in like the early 2000s mm-hmm. um, and Shai Davidi and I were like, is he Jewish? It sounds like it. Probably Jewish. Sounds Jewish. It's Jewish. Go ask him. No, you go ask him. Like, how, how do you have that conversation? Right. And, and I think, you know, it was like a couple of weeks into his tenure. We'd already talked to him a few times. And I, I, I said to him, I just got to ask you the name Kirshner. Are you Jewish? Said, no. Like what? How could you possibly think that? Um, so yeah, it, it's it's just a it's a strange you know when Ty Kelly was a Blue Jay for seven and a half minutes, I, I didn't go up to him and say, hey, you know, Jew. <laughs> I hear like, you're a Jew, <laughs> right? Right. What I you promise you, you yeah. I'm not an anti Semite, but I hear yeah. you're a Jew. Yeah, which is why I never you know when uh, when I spoke to Ian Kinsler. For my podcast in in Aberdeen, Maryland, it was the first time I'd ever talked to him because I, I didn't, you know, whenever he came to town with Texas or Detroit or Boston or whatever, I was like, oh, you know, jew but again it's a weird entree into a conversation we term our term for the
0: the jason Kirshner types is a is a mike jacobs all-star um because obviously because the name sounds jewish but also the the miami or then florida marlins had a a jewish heritage night back in 2006 and gave away mike jacobs t-shirts not not realizing that he was not jewish um so so you know we've we've used that term for anyone who uh who needs to be embraced by by the tribe at least on a name basis you know
2: yeah. yeah, I was actually at a Miami Marlins Jewish Heritage Night and an Oakland A's Jewish Heritage Night. Nice. Um, and I could not get the t shirt. <laughs> I asked the Marlins, I, I said, can I get the t-shirt? They yeah. said, well, it's only for, you know, special season ticket holders. <laughs> Try to find me one, and they couldn't do it. I've
1: actually been to a Pittsburgh Pirates Jewish Heritage Night, so I think maybe between the three of us and some other guests, we can get the whole league eventually. The whole league. Uh, we we had Nate Fish on our show a few weeks ago, um, just man. before he left for the Olympic. Great guy and a big muzzleloader for him on his promotion.
2: Yeah, um, long but he's, time coming, that one.
1: Absolutely, and he talked sort of about the, the inherent networking in the coaching world of being Jewish. You know, he's worked for – he talked about, you know, the Yarmouth Dennis Red Sox that he's coached for years in the Cape Cod League with a Jewish manager. And he talked about working with Jerry Weinstein all over the world. Um, and, you know, Jerry Weinstein is obviously a coach of, of Team Israel. And it's – to me, it's really – and you bring this up with Shulman and Shai, how you guys are all sort of talking about it. It's really – encouraging to see that there's an actual community even in pro sports is that jews can both find and support each other wherever they are
2: yeah i think and i think you know made that much more strong by the fact that israel has put together these teams for the world baseball classic and for the olympics but that community exists uh and existed before that and yeah there are probably a few more of us in the media it's true sure. uh there Did, are a couple we, of we, days we
1: don't mention that on this show but
2: that's okay there are a couple of days where we probably had a minion in the press box and blue jays games but uh not for a while um but but look it it, uh, it does make it easier and and uh And it makes it uh, great. And and I sort of equate it almost to all the work I've done for Baseball Canada and all of, you know, the Canadians know who the Canadians are. And there are so few of us around baseball that you all, you know, you look across the field and, hey, I know you. And now now the existence of that Team Israel uh, can help push that along because there are you know, talking to all these guys, they were like, well, I was often the only Jewish guy on the team, if not the only Jewish guy in the league. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, now it it makes it a little bit easier to find people. So we should mention
0: uh, Mike that you're just off a a recent stint calling uh, team Israel baseball games when they were sort of barnstorming around uh, the New York and and new England area. Did you guys go further south than that? I can't. Yeah, there was
2: only actually one game in new England was uh, one, two games up in Hartford, but there was Pennsylvania, there was Maryland. OK, um, yeah, they, they were the Northeast U.S. How, how did you get uh, picked for that job and uh, how was it? First of all, it was unbelievable. It, it, you know, it was amazing. And um, I've, I've thought a couple of times like doing those 10 game, nine games sort of scratched the itch for me that I'm since I'm not calling ball games anymore. But I think it was more than that. It was super mm-hmm. meaningful and powerful, like that first game that was on Coney Island. Um, it's just an incredible setting, Maimonides Park, which is yeah. <laughs> uh, amazing. You know, I That's think it's, it's named after the hospital. But regardless, you know, hearing Hatikva before a game here in North America was, uh, I mean, it was chills-inducing. And and I'm, you know, I've only been to Israel once. I have a very strong Jewish identity, uh, um, but that wasn't something that I thought would would happen. But hearing it every day was was fantastic um were you were you were you a camp guy i I was a guy who hated camp
1: uh because i think <laughs> um, the last i was just the last time i remember singing Hatikva every day was at camp shalom
2: yeah see that and that would have been i went to i went to Gesher um mm. after a very well we gotta end this horrible year <laughs> of white <laughs> Sorry, <line>. i'm kidding <laughs> um but uh but no I, and you know i knew it it, it It's a a daily thing in Bialik now, not when I went there, but so with my kids there, I had heard it a bunch of times, but, um, but back to the original question, um, I had seen this Israel baseball podcast just from following Israel baseball on Twitter. I met Nate fish, uh, the one time I was in Israel and I really don't remember how that came about, but, um, they might've found me at that point in time. And I met him in a shook in Tel Aviv and we walked around and we talked and he gave me a couple of keepas and uh, wristbands <laughs> and a great Israel baseball hoodie that I still was, have. Was and he selling awesome. them in the shook? Not in the shook. Oh, no. that would have been <laughs> awesome. He brought them specifically <laughs> for me. Um, but uh, so through that, I guess I started following them. And then I saw this Israel baseball podcast um, and Frankie Sachs is the host and he does a lot of the communication stuff for Team Israel and is really um, right in there doing tons of stuff for them. He's given um, us, us a lot of support too. He's so. amazing. And uh, so I reached out to him and I said, Hey, you know, this is, this is who I am and this is what I've done. I've been broadcasting for, you know, a couple of minutes. Do you, if you need any sort of help on, on this podcast, if you want any advice, if you want whatever, if, if any of my connections in North America would be helpful to you let me know. And we just started talking and he said, why don't you come co-host a couple of shows with me? Mm-hmm. So I said, sure. And then we did. And, and I was uh, with him for Blake Galen, which was a great show. Mm-hmm. Um, I still can't believe he hasn't watched community, uh, the TV <laughs> show. He went to the same community college with the creator, Dan. Oh, wow. He funny. went yeah. to, he
1: went to Greendale. <laughs> he went to what
2: wound up being <laughs> Greendale. Yeah. Um, I think it was called Glendale or something, but um and then he, when I saw him last month, he was like, "Yeah, I still haven't watched it." But anyway, um, we did the Blake Galen show. I put together a show for them um, on opening day. I, I got um, Ken Davidoff of the Post and Jeff Passan from ESPN and Allison Footer from MLB.com, and we just sat around and talked about growing up Jewish and following baseball. And then he said, "You know, we're going to do this thing uh, before the Olympics. Would you like to call the game?" And it took me, I don't know, less than a millisecond to say, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing, and it was, it was a test um, with the technology. Trying to do it on Twitch, we really, um, you know. Every game, it felt like we weren't sure we were going to get on until the absolute last second. We had a GoPro that we wanted to use that we tried for every game and it didn't work once. Right. Um, so it, as a result, it wound up being more of like an enhanced radio broadcast. But, yeah, it was a bit of yeah. a
0: static, static viewing yeah. experience. But you know, obviously yeah. the call was there, and you and you could see the you could see the you know the batters and the hits. Right, and we'll
2: we'll try to figure out better ways to do it. And I'm still, I mean, it's getting late now. I, I think it's only two weeks away, the European Baseball Championships. But I'm still holding out hope that they want to bring me to lily with them and, and see if we can do that there. Defending too. champions. That's right. It's important, well, sort stuff. of,
0: because they won the they won the qualifying tournament. I don't know if that they didn't win this. Europe. They didn't win Europe. They, they, win they won Europe. the qualifying tournament. They finished tournament.
2: top four. Yeah, they, they made it
0: through so we should talk a little bit about the the olympics i mean it was just sort of like a a chilling loss in the end there to the dominican was it was it a weird experience for you watching uh the the jews get your team israel get walked off by jose batista of all people
2: i mean seriously we <laughs> hadn't had a hit the whole time <laughs> had hit the right? whole time <laughs> um, yeah it was unbelievable. And uh, look, they, what they did was so incredible. First of all, to just get a win, right? They, yeah. and, I, and I said... And they killed Mexico. Killed yeah, them. I said a million times during that pre-Olympic tournament that Israel is the free space on the bingo card for everybody. They're the team that they that everybody thinks they'll just walk over. But look, they took Korea to extra innings in the first game. Yep. They beat Mexico. They gave the Dominican all they could handle. Um, they um, The U.S. game... Not so much, but, but look, they played everybody in the tournament except for Japan and they gave everybody a ball game except for the U S. Um, and that was really only one bad inning. Um, I was, I was amazed and it felt again, to bring it back to the stuff that I'm super familiar with, it felt again, like Canada, right. Right. Where Mm -hmm. you come so close and Canada does a great job of getting knocked out in tiebreakers, unfortunately didn't happen this way for Israel, but, um, but yeah you know you wonder is there a move here is there a move there that you would have done differently but uh the truth of the matter is they gave the best teams in the world everything they could handle and they did it with um without the best Jewish players available. Sure. Um, so it was, not to mention it was, John
0: John Moscott getting knocked right. out in
2: the first game. I think was absolutely. Was, if John uh, just Moscott survives that first game, if if he's healthy, then it's entirely different. And there's a legitimate chance that they beat Korea. Um, they probably win that game against the Dominican. Who knows? But uh, but Moscot getting hurt and and not being able to replace him. Right. which is crazy so uh, crazy did, didn't help either but the truth of the matter is it was a uh, an incredible showing for them and hopefully uh, just a, a a blasting off point sort of like the last wbc was right
1: and, and we're hoping that you know should there be another wbc we'll actually see some of the more top tier jewish major leaguers your jocks peterson and alexis bregman uh, I, something I want to bring up just about, you know, team Canada losing to bring it back to the Jewish sports thing. I, as you know, a, I guess I was probably 15 at the time, but I, I think the greatest Jewish sports moment of my life is Adam Stern's inside the park home run in the world baseball classic. I've never amazing. seen anything like that and I'll never that- forget it.
2: That whole game that Adam Stern had, I think he had four hits. He made that unbelievable catch up against the wall in center field. Yeah, yeah, that was was a a real privilege to be there. He is a wonderful guy. He is responsible for, uh, if anyone uh, who's listening to this plays uh, words with friends against me, I don't think there are that many people, but it's Adam Stern. You know what? Whoever they
1: are, they probably listen to the show.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. And it's good to know you're open for business. Ernie Witt's wife is one of them, but she doesn't listen to the show. Either. That's
0: that's real some real inside Canada, Canada baseball. That's right, call outs Um, um Mike, Mike I, I saw on Twitter you said that this is this may be the low point of the Jays' season. We're we're talking to you uh, after the Sunday loss. Um, do, do you do you feel much hope for this year? Do you feel
2: like they they might sneak in? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know things are never as bad as they look when they're bad and they're never as good as they look when they're good. Right. But I do believe that today's game was probably the low point of the season, which means that there's nowhere to go, but up, um, That's sure. it's a team that already has a winning record, right? They've, they've, um, they are still six over. Look, I've, I've always, you know, I sort of have always been that like reasonable, rational take, like, You know, three weeks ago, everyone was writing off the New York Yankees. Last September, everyone was writing off the New York Yankees, and they wound up in the playoffs easily. Uh, The Yankees have turned things around. Uh, Are they going to win 80% of their games the rest of the season? No, of course not. Um, Oakland's vulnerable Boston's vulnerable the Blue Jays uh, just they just need to start playing better the the beautiful thing is that the starting pitching has been incredible I think yeah right they they gave up two runs to Detroit in this entire weekend series the the hitting has fallen off a cliff but you know it's not going to keep that up Uh, and eventually there'll be enough support you would think for the starting pitching that you're not going to need the bullpen to be locked down um, you're gonna get bolstered with Nate Pearson. Um uh, yeah, there's there's no reason to to think that it's all doom and gloom and everything is terrible and the season is over. It's, it's August. There's five weeks left and maybe six weeks left in the season.
0: That's good. I needed some talking down from the ledge uh, after today and Friday <laughs> night's loss. The, the be, ten, I mean, those are a horrible loss for sure. The ten games we have left against the Orioles, I feel like is the is the silver lining.
2: Yeah, I think I think it's nine, but I think it's 16, nine, against, sixteen against the Orioles and Twins. Um, which will help a lot, right? And yeah. then you got seven head-to-head against the Yankees. And look, you're going to have to win those games. You've got Oakland coming to town next week, um, and that's your chance to take on a team that right. you're chasing. Um, I think I said this in the intro to my podcast this last week. Um, if with 10 games left in the season, the Blue Jays are five games out of a playoff spot, they are right in it because those 10 games against Minnesota, Baltimore, and the Yankees.
1: Absolutely. Um, it's interesting. I'm curious to ask with your new sort of pivot in your career, being at the Star, you know, traditionally Jewish people are, are not shy about their opinions. And now it seems you have a little f- more free reign to share yours as a columnist instead of sort of a broadcaster, you know, from from working with an organization that owns the team. So I'm curious if you want to talk a little bit about how, you know, you're approaching this new gig from a less, from a more, less objective standpoint, if you
2: are. I'm not, oh, I'm not, well, there I, you go. I, I was never, <laughs> you know, I was never reined in. I think, I think there's a difference between being the broadcaster and all the other stuff. Okay. Um, but I think also, you know, when I was doing play by play, I was never shy about pointing out uh, things that were going wrong. I'm not the kind of person who's gonna. Um, I don't, I'm worried about language here. On hey, we, uh, you, can you, you can say whatever you we want. We encourage it. In fact, <laughs> it's not that bad. But if I'm you not can the say guy. it in
1: Yiddish, that would be even better. <laughs>
2: I'm sure there is absolutely a Yiddish uh, phrase for this, but I'm, I'm not going to piss on your shoes and tell you that it's rain. Right. Sure. And, and there are a lot of broadcasters that will, you know, this is everything is wonderful and happiness and sunshine and puppies and rainbows and whatever. I, I was never like that. Um, I, you, you know, you, you can't be a fan where you say this guy sucks. This is terrible. Get rid of this, whatever. But you can certainly, and I think Dan Shulman even did it today. When the Blue Jays brought Trent Thornton in in the seventh inning, you can say things in a way that you know everybody thinks. Everybody knows you're thinking, "What the hell is going on here?" Um, I think
1: in that case, all you need to say is that Trent Thornton has thrown more innings
2: this year than Jordan Romano. Yeah, but the Blue Jays have been in more situations call for Trent Thornton than they have been the call for a closer. He's got 11 saves, I think. Yeah, Uh, sorry sorry, sorry to interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. But (laughs) But as far as you know, I was never uh, when you're calling play by play, you can't be. Uh, you don't want to turn your listeners in, off, right? Right. But I also took calls after the game for 17 years, and as much as people may believe that I was always defending the Jays, I wasn't. It just sounded like it because so many people are just so insanely negative. Um, you want you know you want to say a season is over on August 22nd. I will tell you that you're categorically incorrect, right? I feel I felt like the you know when you <laughs> First of all, to call into a post-game radio show, you've got to be, nobody calls in to say, hey, everything's great. Right. How how awesome was that? Right. Do you ever people, get
1: any of those calls? Somebody's like, I just want to say that I'm enjoying this season for the sake of watching baseball.
2: Yeah, like maybe three or four times every 10 years. Sure. <laughs> that would happen.
1: I hope one of them um, was me. I hope that's what the one thing I called about.
2: But but look, they, and, and they also a lot of people call in because they can't get anybody else to listen to them. Right. So so they've got their um, you know, they're always angry and they're always angry about something that they probably have wrong. So right. I I always wanted to make sure. I think, um, you know, I remember listening to call-in shows and having someone call in with a thesis statement that was not only preposterous, but actually factually incorrect as well. And hearing the host go, "Uh uh-huh, and have the caller continue. And I thought, I'm never going to do that. That's not, you know, if you make a claim, first of all, that's wrong, I'm going to tell you it's wrong. And if you have an opinion about something, I'm going to ask you to back it up. And so, you know, people see that as, saw that as defensive because most of the takes are angry, Um, but, You know, I don't see anything wrong with um, having forcing people to back up their opinions with facts. And that's, uh, you know, that's that's what I did. But when things were going badly. um, Yeah, I'm never going to say this guy sucks because none of them do. Um, And I'm never going to say. This team absolutely has no chance until you get to the point where it's very apparent. It doesn't have to be mathematical, right. but it's very apparent that they have no chance. And uh, so I, you know, I'm I, I'm going to continue doing that because I believe in objective truth. Uh, and <laughs> it's way more important now, I think, than it was. 10 maybe years this ago. is a
1: strained Jewish analogy, but to some degree, you seem to. I seem to read this this analogy. Reads you as you're somewhat of the therapist to a lot of felt fans that. out there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've felt that. I, people have referred to me as a first responder. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. You're a Freud, and then when you end the call, you become a
2: Kavorkian very quickly. Well, I very rarely. <laughs> very rarely hung up on people only yeah. uh, only when they were rude or they started repeating them. Because
0: well, I, times, I think, you know, I think, I think, as you said, requiring that people have opinions to, or sorry, facts to back up their opinions is, is a very Jewish way of approaching, uh, you know, argumentation <laughs>
2: and thought. Look, it's, it's true. We're, we're, you know, we're supposed to question things and find things out and, and not take stuff at face value. And um, you know, if you call to tell me this, this happened and this should not have happened. This move was made that was the wrong move. The question is why? Especially baseball, right? Baseball is so many times you can do the wrong thing and be rewarded for it and do the right thing and it doesn't work out. It's, um, you know, Trent Thornton to that end pitched a scoreless seventh inning in a yeah. tie game in a place he had no business pitching it, but it worked.
0: Right. Um, Mike, I think we're going to have to uh, call it call it an interview there. Um, before we go, is there anything you want to plug or anything you want to mention?
1: Your podcast, your column.
2: Sure. I mean, I, I write a column off of most games in the Toronto star. Please read that. But uh, also um, you can follow me on Twitter at wilderness and the podcast, the, the, the podcast call it's called deep left field. Um, you can find it on Twitter at deep LF podcast, but, but more so like listen to it. Don't look for it on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, great. Uh, uh, it is, I believe, it's consistently been in the top three baseball podcasts in Canada, which makes me very happy. And the top baseball podcast that is not produced by the company that owns the team. So that makes <laughs> right. me very happy as well.
0: That's great. Well, they, thanks. Thanks, thanks again so much. For and my, Shana enjoyment. Tova again.
1: I have of that interview is when we are going down the the uh, some of the Jewish Mike J- non-Jewish Mike Jacobs all-stars in the MLB I wanted to mention Robbie Grossman I think you know and no co- list is fully comprehensive without him I think he's probably the guy I get unsolicited texts and emails about the most as the host of this podcast the co-host of this podcast saying oh this guy must be Jewish is he Jewish Robbie Grossman's not Jewish even though I'm pretty sure the Robbie Grossman I went to camp with is I think I think Gabe Gross is one of the big ones. Ooh, Gabe um, Gross is a very good one. Also as a Gabe, gotta be a Gabe Gross fan. But yeah, he, exactly. played, he played Auburn football, where yeah. I'm not sure they even allow Jews
0: on the team, like now or ever. Maybe not. Um, and then there's like the uh the guys with like the Germanic names that like if you're a student of the game of of, <laughs> I, of Jewish of Jew identifying, like you know Steven Strasberg's not because he spells his right. last name with a U. With or a like U. or like Ryan Zimmerman spells his name. Two sorry, Z- Zimmerman's Jordan Zimmerman. Jordan, Jordan Zimmer- Zimmerman is two ends. Yeah. You
1: know, and and you know, back when Scott Feldman was in the league, I was really excited to see that it was a one end Feldman. He he was the real deal, Feldman. That guy. He was right. And, and was, but you he was Jewish though, Scott
0: though. Yeah, he yeah. was.
1: And then you also have the other side of the Germans, your Scott Schoenweiss. Right. Uh, where you know he's that's that's a real sort of Northern European Prussian name, uh, Bohemian. It's a very Bohemian name. Uh, and he is actually from the, you know, must've been of the Jews in Bohemia.
0: Thank you to, uh, Marvin Glassman for reaching out about his article and for guessing ages ago. Uh, I'd love to have you back sometime, sometime, <laughs> Marvin, two, two years we'll, ago now. That, we'll that talk, was US that uh,
1: uh, yeah. talk U.S. Open, uh, talk we'll U.S. Open. We'll be watching the U.S. Open coming up, obviously well, following, uh, Shapovalov, Georgi and, uh, Svitolina.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Schwartzman as well. Um. Uh, lots of lots of, Jews, lots of Jews in, in high seated positions going into the U.S. Open. Uh, until then, as always, uh, you can follow us. Um, you can find our podcast posted at the CJN.ca, uh, the CJN Lounge on Facebook, and Menchwormers on Twitter uh, for, you know, just ongoing Jewish sports news. And uh, not sure if we'll be back in two weeks. High holidays. Sometimes we take a little break. Uh, not going not gonna to podcast on Yom Kippur, Kofax style. But uh, until then, we'll see you guys soon mm